Hi, it's Laurence Bradford. Welcome to season two of the Learn to Code with Me podcast, where I'm chatting with people who taught themselves how to code and are now doing amazing things with their newly found skills. FullStack Academy is a coding bootcamp that helps people become software developers at companies like Google, Amazon, and Facebook. FullStack also offers a part-time bootcamp prep course that prepares you for admission into selective coding bootcamps. Visit bootcampprep.io to learn more and get a $500 scholarship with the code LEARNWITHME. Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Quincy Larson, the highly influential creator of Free Code Camp. Free Code Camp is an open source community of over 500,000 people learning to code together while building projects for nonprofits. Previously, Quincy lived in China where he was a director at several schools. During this time is when Quincy first immersed himself in the world of programming through automating scripts and other kinds of workflows. In this episode, Quincy dives into how he began learning to code, what led to the creation of Free Code Camp, and future plans for the project. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus a full transcript at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy. Hey, Quincy, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. So real quick, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. I'm Quincy Larson, and I'm a teacher at Free Code Camp and a contributor of the Open Source Project. Awesome. So I am sure most of the listeners are familiar with Free Code Camp. I'm sure a ton have also done it themselves. But could you just explain a little bit about what that is and what you guys are doing there? Sure. We're an open source community that helps people learn to code. And then we practice those skills that we've developed by building projects for nonprofits. Um, we are completely open source. We started almost exactly two years ago. Um, and so far about 5,000 people who have worked through our curriculum and built projects for nonprofits, uh, about 5,000 people have gotten their first developer job. 5,000 people have gotten their first job. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty remarkable, but, um, I guess it's to be expected when you have a really high level of, of usage. Um, our open source community has about uh, 250,000 people using it every month. And uh, of those, a majority of them have not yet gotten their first developer job. So it's very much aimed toward uh, beginners and even absolute beginners, although pretty much everything in the curriculum is completely skippable. Um, you just have to build the actual projects at the end of each section. And if you do that, then you can move on and you can get the certificates and you can uh, work on projects for nonprofits. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love how you um, combine the building real-life projects for nonprofits as part of the curriculum. But I kind of want to rewind a bit. And what were you doing before you were um, in the tech space? So I worked as a teacher and as a school director for about 10 years um, after school. And basically, I ran schools um, in the U.S. and in China, and I taught. Um, and at some point, I was more and more interested in using technology to 
help my teaching staff be more effective and help my administrative staff be more effective so they could spend less time doing paperwork and more time interacting with our students. And gradually, the more I went into technology, learning these kinds of things, how to automate workflows and such, the more interested I got in just learning how to properly code. So I left teaching and running a school as a field and just focused heads down on like learning how to use Linux really well, learning how databases worked, learning how to program. And uh, I did that for several months. I just went to a ton of hackathons, like a hackathon every weekend or two. Um, and after a while of doing that, I was able to get a developer job. And then after that developer job, I was able to get some freelance work. And then eventually I ended up uh, starting the Free Code Camp community. Awesome. Awesome. So how long ago was that? I guess it sounds like you were and you were living in China, correct? So I moved back from China and I was living in Santa Barbara, California. Okay, cool. But before you even moved back uh, to the United States, you kind of had this, you you got an interest in technology and learning how to program. Yeah. I mean, really it was, it was when I was in Santa Barbara, that's when I really started to get into it. Cause even though Santa Barbara is a relatively small town, there, there are a lot of tech companies there. And, uh, there, there are some that are, are quite, um, innovative. Like there was a company, uh, called Eucalyptus that was doing virtualization, uh, I think at the time. And, uh, like that got me really interested And there were just a bunch of hardcore, uh, programmers who, who practiced the hacker ethic and, and we're just very serious about um, using technology to level the proverbial playing field and, and um, give individuals more power in the world. Um, and that's that's when I really got interested in technology uh, was in Santa Barbara, thanks in large part to the Santa Barbara Hackerspace, which um, is an excellent organization where people just get together and, and build things, uh, write software, use 3D printers, these laser cutters, all kinds of cool gear. So that that was really what, like, that was when I found my tribe, so to speak, and started hanging out with those people regularly and, and just absorbing as much as I could. Yeah, that's that's so cool. I, I, I'm learning so much already because I didn't realize that after you were in China, you then moved to Santa Barbara. Because, of course, now I do know that you live in um, San Francisco. But I, I kind of want to still circle back to that uh, Santa Barbara time. Was that where you got your first job then as a developer? Yeah, so I can tell you a little bit about that. Um, I was just uh, I went I was a Ruby developer at the time, um, and I went to a Ruby meetup and uh, just a bunch of people hanging out, drinking beer, talking about Ruby, and uh, I, I just introduced myself and we got to talking. And then they basically uh, they wanted to interview me. Um, they misunderstood my my job description. I told them I was in operations because I was running schools. Well, they misinterpreted that as mm. DevOps, <laughs> like, like operations in terms of like being a sysadmin. So they wanted to meet with me, and by the time they realized, like halfway through the conversation, that I didn't actually have like a background in offer like operations. The guy 
who interviewed me admitted, oh, operations is an overloaded term. You know, I report to the chief operating officer, but he's not a programmer. So so by that time, we'd already built enough rapport that they were like, well, yeah, let's just bring you in as a junior developer. So um, that was what I ultimately – That I got a ton of experience with agile development. I got a ton of experience um, doing test-driven development and uh, to some extent behavior-driven development. They were – very rigorous as far as applying um, like agile practice, agile software development best practices, and we're constantly sharing books and stuff. And so it was a very helpful experience. I learned so much during that period of time. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I love that story of how it was kind of like um, not not a, a misunderstanding. <laughs> you got into the office and uh, halfway through realized operations meant. The different meetings that it has, and I feel like um, I can so see that happening because you're so right. There's like operations managers, there's like chief operating, um, you know, the COO. Uh, that reminds me of development though too, because of course there's web development, but there's also like business development, economic development, uh, and probably a bunch of other ways that word could be used that I can't even think of right now. But yeah, that's really that's really funny. Yeah, it, it was a, a happy accident, but honestly. It just goes to show that you you got to put yourself out there, and if if you're in the right room with the right people, a high enough number of times, the probability of them saying, "Hey, what are you doing these days? Would you be interested in interviewing?" just gradually notches up. And so, you know, it, at Free Code Camp, like when people ask me for general advice, like very simple, actionable advice, um, I always give them two pieces of advice. Um, I try to keep it simple. One is to code every single day, you know, just a little each day as much as you can. And the second one is just to hang out with other people who code as much as possible. And by doing that second one, just just hanging out with people who code, you're building your network and you're increasing the likelihood that somebody's going to want to interview you and you're basically going to get in through the back door, so to speak, as opposed to being a resume and a stack of resumes applying through some web form. Yeah, I know that's that it's absolutely amazing advice. And as you were sharing that, I was sort of thinking about my own kind of life over the last few years. And I remember, um, this relates to the second point of hanging out with people who code when my boyfriend, he was originally studying, I think economics in college. And he ended up switching majors to computer science. He was doing a minor, wanted to do the major. Okay. So he began hanging out with more, um, people in the computer science program. And because I was with him often, I began hanging out with more people from his computer science program. And it certainly had like an impact on me as well. Not as far as like tangible job opportunities I've gotten from it, but just being around people that were in the computer science program and hearing them talk about things in code and in tech. It's extremely motivating, Laurence. Um, I'll tell you, like being here in San Francisco, for example, you, you walk into any cafe in the city and there are people that have their laptops out and they're talking back and forth and you, you just you hear people talking about Linux commands as frequently as you'd hear people talking about sitcoms or something. I mean it's it's just what people talk about here. And and having that kind of environment and, and you know, not everybody can can uproot and move to San Francisco. It's a it's a very expensive city to live in, unfortunately. I'm hoping that they'll fix that in the coming decades. But um but 
just being able to find some place where people are constantly talking about technology, whether it's a hacker space or whether it's just a university computer lab or whether it's, you know, uh, there are so many clubs on universities. Even if you don't go to a, a specific university, you can still often participate in their clubs and just go wherever the people, wherever the developers are, go there and spend as much time as you can. It, I promise you, you will get your time's worth. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's amazing how much you can pick up just from listening in on conversations. Like, because I feel like there's so many, I'm just thinking back, this was, would have been a few years ago and just listening in onto the conversations and at first having no idea what anyone was talking about, but then over time, slowly picking up like on the jargon and, and, and just like the terms and, and whatnot. Yeah, it puts, it, it just gives you a whole lot. It's like a, it's, it's quantity, right? Like um, just constantly being, immersed in it and i'll tell you one thing that um the most important thing about hanging out with other people who code is that it's motivating like it's hard to get really down and and feel like oh i can't do this when you're surrounded by people who are doing it yeah yeah certainly yes yeah, certainly and yeah educational yeah motivating and yeah you just i just yeah being in that environment you just are able to soak so much in so yeah, so back to you. Okay, so you're in Santa Barbara. You get your first job um, as a junior developer. How long were you there for? Uh, less than a year. And then I decided to move to San Francisco and uh, and just do some freelance work and try to learn more. Because I had been going to San Francisco every chance I got mm -hmm. um, because there were just so many amazing workshops and, and events. And every night of the week in San Francisco, there's like a different um, coding-related event. Um, like the, the co-working space I'm at right now, uh, has an event, uh, it's Microsoft reactor, Microsoft reactor. I, this is my first time to be here. Um, they have, uh, they have a programming event tonight called proto night where basically two people, two strangers get together and work on, uh, some project building out a quick little uh, prototype over the course of like two hours. So it's a really fun way to like meet people and work with them. And I've been to several of these events. Um, but but the, my point is these things happen constantly. Like Monday through Thursday, there are great events, especially Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if you get a chance and you're looking for like just an opportunity to, to, to come out to San Francisco, I recommend getting on Meetup, just seeing what events are going on and uh, just, you know, if you can't afford an expensive hotel, get like a hostel. There are plenty of hostels here and just, just hit up the events. Um, there's usually a hackathon every weekend or so. Um, a lot of them are free. Uh, pretty much everything that I go to is free or if it costs anything, it's like 20 bucks and you get a huge meal out of it. So it's very much worth, um, taking a trip out to the Bay area and, and going to some of these events. Yeah, I know. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. I I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I'm just so curious. I have to ask because I know you're super, I mean, you're super busy. You run free code camp. You also are like an avid writer on Quora and then you go to all these events. I'm just curious, like how many events do you go to a week? And when I say event, it could be a meetup. It could be a conference. It could be a workshop, whatever. Um, I, I'm just super interested in like what that breakdown is. Sure. So I'll tell you, Laurence, um, I used to go to literally like three events a week. 
um, I, w- I would just like figure out a way to like, I'd work it into my schedule. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to work out of this place. And that's another thing in San Francisco. There are just a tremendous number of free places you can work. Um, a lot of times you need to know somebody in order to be able to get into the space. But, um, there are also a lot of just free, free open places where you can just go and work. And I'm actually going to write an article on medium about that. I think my friends will be kind of upset <laughs> that I write that because then the, like a lot more people will know about these places, but, um, they are really, um, really nice. They're equipped with Wi-Fi. So when I'm in, uh, when I'm in like event mode, like right now, my, my wife and my newborn, she's about one year old. She just turned one. Her name's Jocelyn. Um, my wife, Jade and, and Jocelyn went back to China to hang out with our extended family for a month. So I have time to like go to events, but normally fatherhood, prevents me from uh participating in a lot of these events but back before fatherhood i would go like i said like three events a week and uh as many hackathons as possible so i think during the seven or eight uh, the seven months after i quit my job before i got my first job as a developer that entire time i was going to hackathons and events and i probably went to like more than 12 hackathons during that period of time and uh probably you know 60 or 80 events wow wow that's that's super impressive i remember when i first started learning how to code and i actually i was in thailand when i first began learning and then i came back to the u.s pretty quickly but my first two months back i think i went to I think I went to like 10 girl develop it workshops. So not even like just like a, like it wasn't like a happy hour. No, it was like a workshop, pretty much any workshop I could go to. There's a girl develop it one I went to. And I think I went to them all and filled this is back in Philadelphia the first two months. But yeah, no, it's really now, of course, my, my schedule is a bit different, but I think it's yeah so impactful to be learning and, and collaborating with other people. You, okay. So that's, that totally makes sense. How now, since you, you know, you do have a newborn, you have a wife, fatherhood takes precedence over uh, the hackathons and the different meetups. But I'm super curious to know, because when I think of Free Code Camp, I really think of like the online, I mean, the the online community, but also you do have in-person communities, but they're all around the world. And you have meetups in, how many many cities are there meetups now for Free Code Camp? So uh, like meetup.com, I'm not sure exactly. I think maybe like 50 or 60 Proper meetup accounts, like we we tell people they can do that if they want, but you know meetup charges fifteen dollars a month. I think to have a. So what we do is we just use Facebook groups because Facebook groups are free, and you know like not everybody loves Facebook. Um, I certainly don't, but you know everybody has a Facebook account generally, unless they're intentionally boycotting Facebook. So it's very easy to like onboard people, and then once they join your your Facebook group. Um, announcements and things like that just kind of propagate to them naturally. They don't have to remember to go check meetup or something like that. So, um, and, and Facebook has a built in events functionality and stuff. So we have, uh, 1,500 different cities that we have, uh, these Facebook groups, we call them campsites and they're completely autonomously run by campers who are vol- volunteering to, um, lead their local community. And what we encourage for campers to do is just to keep it casual and don't spend a whole lot of time necessarily building up relationships with local uh, boot camps or hacker spaces or other types of venues. They, they can certainly do that. Um, a lot of them will work with like, you know, 
Microsoft or Google or whatever big companies happen to have a, a satellite office in their town, and they'll use that as a venue, which is wonderful if they can do that. But we don't want to put a whole bunch of pressure on them. We just say, hey, why don't you do what are called coffee and codes? You go to a local cafe, two or more people just sit down and code together. Super casual. Usually these happen after work, and uh, they're scheduled three or four days in advance. And, uh, you know, it, it's just super casual. Whoever can come, comes. There, like, no money changes hands. Um, although we don't specifically prohibit if if people want to order a bunch of pizza and want to distribute the cost. Uh, we basically have given these groups full autonomy to make their own rules and decide how they want to do it. And what we're focused on doing is creating lots of resources for these groups. We, we have an open, we, we have a fully creative commons uh, asset repo on GitHub where like literally every asset we've ever made is creative commons licensed and people can use it if they want to make a poster or if they want to create some sort of asset they use to promote um, an event online. Um, and we're trying to create as much documentation as possible and, and use our forum as a way to share best practices back and forth between the different groups. So yeah, that, that's our, uh, our campsites basically completely driven by campers for campers. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And I feel like it's so in line with, um, just like what you were saying before about, you know, putting yourself out there, meeting people, getting involved in the community. And at the same time, you know, keeping things casual, it sounds like a lot of like the networking and the, and the events you go to, kind of have that I get a theme or something you could say but so yeah so and I just love how you have this like huge community in in person and then you have online communities as well you got, I know you guys use Gitter um, you have activity going on in Facebook groups on GitHub on like various you know forums I, I think you guys have your own uh, free code camp forum and of course on Medium uh, where you guys have the publication but I'm interested in knowing um so when you started Free Code Camp about two years ago, what role did your in did your own like in person community have in the success of Free Code Camp? Great question. So um, first of all, Berkeley Martinez, who is um, the main developer for the Free Code Camp platform, and he he does the DevOps stuff with um, making sure our servers work and um, continuous integration, like all the GitHub integrations and things like that. Berkeley Martinez and I actually met at a hackathon um, at Wix. Uh, Wix had like this big hackathon, and, and if you participated in the hackathon, you got free co-working space for like six months. Um, so we did that, and we were both always hanging out up at, up at Wix. You may have heard of Wix. It's like a, a website builder. Uh, so so they're they they were really cool and, and like we got to hang out with like their their engineering team and everything and, and learn a lot of the, their practices for operating at scale, but um, Berkeley and I just were sitting next to each other every day and eventually when it came time like hey we like I can't handle all the development stuff on my own instead of you know just asking Berkeley for guidance when I get stuck and stuff Berkeley actually joined in a formal role so um, so that was one thing where constantly being out there and just meeting people. I bumped into Berkeley, Berkeley like, you know, 40, 50 times before he eventually joined the team. So uh, just constantly bumping into people like that. Um, that was definitely one thing. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Like virtually all of the major um, 
contributors to FreeCodeCamp are um, have just kind of emerged, right? Like Michael Johnson, who runs all our um, nonprofit projects and runs our Open Source for Good program, he discovered FreeCodeCamp through um, seeing us. I think he saw us on like Hacker News for some article that I wrote or something like that or read it. Um, and then the rest of the core team just heard about us and joined us. Uh, Brianna, who was on your on your show a few weeks ago, um, she just I'm not sure how she discovered Free Code Camp, but but um, the role of personal in person networks was important for getting Free Code Camp off the ground, and it's been of diminished importance since. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's it's grown in size, and um, you know, I feel like this is a conversation I I, I have with people um, about like kind of on I, I call it like online networking. I guess you could say I I don't really like the word networking. I like to think of it as just like building relationships and you know friends and and things like that uh, versus like in person networking. Personally, I've always done a lot better with online networking. So uh, connecting with people online and. Um, I kind of joke now with some of my coworkers here that so many of like my good friends I've never met in person. They're just online. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you feel the same way at all. Like I know like in, I, I do believe in person stuff has value too, but there's just so much so many more people you can connect with online. It's great to meet people in person. Like we're having a Frico Camp's second year birthday uh, at uh, the WeWork here in Soma. In, in south of market san francisco uh, um in a couple days and that's going to be really exciting because i'll get to finally meet all these campers here in the bay area that i've been interacting with through facebook and gitter and, and github as a, as we merge their pull requests and things like that um i think uh meeting in person is like a luxury in this day and age like you don't have to work with people it's very much like a, a nice to have in my opinion like actually physically meeting with them it's amazing how much gets done without actually physically meeting and it, and unfortunately due to the you know visa situations and the economics of like physically traveling from one location to another and getting a hotel uh it's prohibitive to for a lot of people to come to san francisco prohibitive for me from a time perspective and from a cost perspective to like fly out to like for example vienna i've been talking a lot with the leader of free co camp vienna over there and i really want to go and check out their awesome campsite but it's probably not going to happen at least not in the next year um, that i'll be able to make it out to europe so um i i feel like i'm building extremely strong bonds with all of these people through working alongside them on the free code camp project and uh and extending the community um through just helping them get their campsites going and uh giving them guidance on how they can apply for jobs and and uh coaching them on that whenever they message me with a question i try to respond to literally everybody that messages me so i'm talking to like sometimes hundreds of people a day um but when, you, when everything's asynchronous and people are just reaching out to you through email or through messages on Gitter, um, it's actually um, it's nice because you can just sit down and you can just um, go through everything at one time instead of constantly being interrupted throughout the day. So um, I, I feel that um, it, you can have richer relationships in person, but you can have 
so much uh like like i can only meet somebody for coffee once every three or four months right um but i can talk to them every single day if i'm talking to them through getter sit tight podcast listeners we're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors full stack academy is the leading coding boot camp that helps students become great software developers and get jobs at top tier companies Fullstack's Advanced Software Engineering Immersive course gives you the skills you need to launch your dream career in tech. The school's cutting-edge curriculum, based on current tech trends, drives a near 100% job placement rate for graduates. Fullstack alumni work at companies like Google, Amazon, and Facebook, along with many others. Fullstack Software Engineering Immersive is taught on campus in New York City and Chicago and online everywhere through Fullstack's industry-leading remote immersive. Fullstack has established a $500,000 scholarship fund for the remote immersive as part of an initiative to improve access to its award-winning educational experience. Go to fullstackacademy.com to learn more. Fullstack Academy, making great people into great developers. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. I mean, before, and we were, you know, for the, for the listeners, I was talking to Quincy about this before we hit record. I was saying one of the nice things about uh, living in New York is that there are so many more people here, of course. <laughs> and then also a lot of people come here to visit or come for conferences or, or what have you. So just since I've been able to live here uh, or been living here the last few months, uh, I've got to connect with so many people in person that before I, as I call them online friends, but then I actually got to bring that connection or that, that friendship in, into the real life. So it's been really awesome. And that's definitely been an advantage of living here. And I know uh, similarly for San Francisco, a lot of people in the tech community do vi- go there, or they go there to visit for one reason or another. And of course there's a lot of people already living there, but yeah, of course. I, I, I just, yeah, I agree completely. There's going to be people that I'll unfortunately probably never get to meet in real life, but I'm still able to connect with them, you know, every day or weekly online. Yeah. And that's, that's substantial. I mean, if you think about it, you can still see their pictures, you can still hear their voice, you can Skype, you can see their face while you're having a, a, a face-to-face through a computer. Um, you can screen share with tools um, like Skype and, and Hangouts and, you can see their workflow. At the end of the day, I think the thing that like I get, I feel the closest to people when I'm working alongside them. So, helping them figure out how we can get that PR merged, that pull request merged, or helping them figure out um, what's going wrong with uh, their local development environment, for example, or um, them helping me understand like how we could improve FreeCodeCamp's user experience, for example. There, there's so many ways that that we can collaborate and I genuinely feel like I learned who people are best through experiencing what they do and how they think. And, and you don't need to be in the same room with somebody to be able to do that. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, so changing, changing gears a little here. Uh, and this has been something that I've, I've always thought whenever I think of like Quincy Larson, because it seems like you never sleep. Uh, you, I, I mentioned this before, but you're writing on Quora, you're managing these different communities, you're emailing people, uh, you're running free code camp. Like, how do you do it all? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very flattered. I, I do sleep uh, about seven and a half hours a night. Um, so, so sleep is very important. Exercise is very important. I uh, try to run an hour a day. Um, 
I'd also say that like eating healthy is relatively important. I'm not going to say that like I, I like have some weird diet or anything. I just eat whatever, but I make sure I eat enough. Um, <laughs> uh, but as far as like productivity, I think the most important thing about being productive is knowing what to say no to, um, like knowing, knowing your own limits. Um, a lot of times people, people will, um, there's a temptation to want to do things yourself, right? Um, there's a temptation to want to drop things and do them right now. Um, because like, Oh, but, but if you can triage things and if you can think about what can be done immediately, so you don't have to put it on your to-do list, um, that can be tremendously helpful. And, and then things that are longer term that you may not ever actually need to do, if you can kick those down the road and just address them later, that's great. Um, having like a sane system that is not uh, a whole lot of overhead for you to run is important. Like I literally have – I use uh, a text editor and I literally just have a couple uh, words <laughs> and then I hit enter do this, do this, do this. And then as I, as I finish those things, I delete them from the to-do list. And that to-do list stays relatively static day to day. I just go in and clean it up. And then I just, you know, use Google calendar to make sure that I don't, you know, sleep, oversleep and miss a meeting. Um, but, but the key thing is, is living asynchronously, which I wrote an article about recently and, and trying to keep as much of your communication in an asynchronous manner as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're saying circling. So you just use um, a text editor and just keep a basic to do list there. Nothing crazy, you know, fancy like I don't even know bullet journals or whatever the 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 new rage is. I've experimented with everything, Lawrence, and I honestly believe the simpler a system is, the more likely it's going to last. Um, I've used OmniFocus. I used the getting things done methodology. I thought that was really good, but honestly, it was just too much overhead to like sort things into different bins. Uh, it, generally, if it, if it takes less than two minutes, I just do it immediately. If it takes longer than that, I add it to my list. If it's something where I need to talk to somebody and I'm blocked, then I just send them a message asynchronously and say, hey, when, you know, when can we talk? Or like I'll have time blocked out during the day when my baby's not asleep and when I can actually talk on the phone without waking her up. Um, and, and then I just leave Skype open and people come to me when, when it's convenient for them rather than having to necessarily have the overhead of a meeting when it's only going to be like a two or three second minute call, you know? So little things like that, like, like not using calendar appointments unless necessary, because in some way having those calendar invites there, like is kind of like, uh, it just burdens you kind of a little bit psychologically, like knowing that, oh, I'm, you know, at six o'clock, I'm going for a run with Jeff. I need to make sure that I'm going to be available at that exact time. Uh, it, it, like you carry all these things around in your working memory throughout the day and, and they kind of sap your, um, your ability to juggle other things. So just being able to clear your plate and really like go into Zen mode um, on whatever it is you're doing, whether it's writing an article, like for me, writing articles on Medium and answering questions on Quora and then um, staying on top of like the FreeCodeCamp email support and all the social media and stuff and then um, actually getting features built out on FreeCodeCamp, which um, these days more it's more supervisory. Like I, I try to describe things and, and coach campers to build those um, so that I can give them an experience actually building things and just help with the quality assurance and uh, user experience aspects. Um, but... <laughs> Basically, just 
trying to keep things as simple as you possibly can, but no simpler. Yeah, no, no, I love that. I know I sometimes I jump around now I, I at work at least I got into writing things on my like just my Mac text area or the notes area. I'm sorry. So, but it's just a basic to-do list, nothing crazy. And then I just check things off and delete them or move. Actually, I move them down because I like to see things. I, I take pride in seeing everything I've done, like for a lot, like all the check boxes, like over a period of time. Um, but I, when you were talking about writing on Medium and Cora, I'm just curious, do, is there a time of day, like when that you block out just for writing, like in the morning or at night or something? Um, so generally I, I do have like a little ritual, which is I write like a lot of notes and I get like a really rough draft done at night. And then I don't trust myself at two or three in the morning whenever I go to sleep. Unfortunately, my sleep schedule is all jacked up because I'm trying to avoid when my uh, baby's like awake because I can't really work then. Um, so basically I, uh, I'll write like late at night. And then I'll wake up, and in the morning, I'll get a fresh pair of eyes, and then I'll go through and edit and publish. And also, that helps because people are actually reading in the morning. Nobody's going to read it if I publish it at, like, 2 in the morning. Well, I guess I'm in the, on the West Coast. Uh, and, and we do have a lot of people in Asia that read, so they would be awake. But, um, but yeah, absolutely, like, just doing work at night when it's quiet, that's when I do the really focused work, and then checking it the next day before I send it out because you you don't want to be pushing stuff late at night. I, in fact, I've, I've heard of some developers have a rule like no committing after midnight. Yeah, no, that's 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 really smart. Yeah, I, I personally, my brain like shuts down usually after 11 unless I've had like too much caffeine during the day. But I love to do like writing and stuff like that, even just before noon, because usually in the afternoon, it's my creativity kind of shuts down a bit. Yeah, what time do you wake up? Ah, uh, so before I moved here uh, in Boston, when I was living in Boston, I would wake up. You people are gonna probably die, but I would wake up every day at six fourteen a.m. Wow, and That's now a very specific time. I know my first alarm would go off. Then usually I'd like lay in bed for like 10, 15 minutes. And I'd get up and shower, and I usually be out of the house by seven thirty. Uh, since moving to New York, you know the city that never sleeps, my schedule's changed a bit, and now. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I'm usually getting up around 7, 7.30. So, yeah, I like. I mean, for me, I, I, I wish I was still getting up that early because I would get so much done those first few hours of the day. But I, I guess I go to bed a bit later now. And I, I, I do work later. I think that's normal. Maybe it is in San Francisco, too. But I think a lot of people in New York will start their day around, like, 10 a.m. and end at, like, 6 or 7. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty typical out here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know. Here it's just I think people are just on a later beat or something. And I, people, I think, at least compared to Boston, I guess, and where I was living before in Pennsylvania, like restaurants are busier. Like people will eat um, dinner later than maybe back before. It was like 6 o'clock. But here it's like 8 or 9 is when the restaurants are busy. But anyway, that's a, yeah, that's a whole other story. So, all right, Quincy, thank you so much for talking, uh, for talking to me today. And just I want to kind of end things by getting – by hearing you explain – where free co-camp is going in the future, like what, what your plans are for the coming months. Sure. So right now we're working on uh, a new curriculum. It's not a new curriculum. It's, it's a significant expansion to our curriculum with several hundred new challenges that are almost all optional. By the way, don't worry, you're not going to have to go back and do a bunch of additional work if you've already made a ton of progress. Um, 
And uh, that's going to cover a lot of new technologies. And it's also going to cover the fundamentals much more thoroughly, a lot more basic JavaScript, a lot more functional programming and object-oriented programming. We're incorporating ES6 or uh, ES2016, as they're calling it now. Um, we're incorporating all that, and we're going to have a lot more uh, design focus uh, early on, where we actually talk about visual design and user experience design concepts. Very basic. We're not trying to turn campers into designers, but just give them a little bit of sensibilities. Um, and then in addition to that, we are working on fully reactifying FreeCodeCamp's platform. So it's a single page application. Um, ideally, it'll be downloadable. So you'll be able to use it offline. Um, and then it'll just, whenever you reconnect, it'll send all your progress up to FreeCodeCamp. So those are some things we're working on. It'll be a few more months before we finish all of that. But I'm very optimistic that it'll make FreeCodeCamp a lot faster and a lot more uh, accessible, which are two of our, our key principles. Is like we want FreeCodeCamp to be as accessible as possible and as convenient as possible. And uh, we also want it to be as rigorous as possible and, and cover these topics fairly exhaustively on a basic level so that, that you have confidence when you go into job interviews that you're going to understand the concepts that they're going to ask you about. So. Yeah, so much. That's and that's that's awesome. It all sounds like so so much exciting stuff. And I'm really excited to see some of those developments uh, in the curriculum, like with some of the design and user experience things. So I feel like there's still um, there are resources online that cover that, but not as not as much as um, at least from what I see, web development and whatnot. Yeah, and we're going to be these are all going to be fully interactive. Even even our um, backend challenges, which. I didn't mention those, but we're basically building an entirely new uh, Node and Express curriculum. It's not going to be Node School anymore. We love Node School, but we've built something that runs in the browser that we think will be more convenient. Um, that is all going to be uh, available soon, too, and it'll be very convenient, and uh, everything will be test-based. So the one thing that we're doing... Uh, is all of our projects currently are like subjectively evaluated. Like when you build a project, um, you have these agile user stories, you build it according to those user stories. We're going to go back and actually write uh, automated tests that test to verify that those user stories were fulfilled. So there will be no ambiguity that you've completed a project. So you might have to fulfill eight or 10 user stories, but you'll have a test for each of those to verify that it's been built out. Ah, nice, nice. That's so awesome. So finally, where can people find you online, Quincy? Uh, I have a Twitter account. Uh, my handle is O-S-S-I-A, uh, which is pronounced Osea. It means like an alternate passage of music. And it, since I'm all about open source, it happens to have an O-S-S at the beginning of it. Um, and then uh, the main places, though, that I'm, I'm active are Medium and Quora. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely include links to your accounts uh, on the show notes for those. I Yeah, you great medium and, and great Cora you have going on there. It's very impressive. So thank you again, Quincy, for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Laurence. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Quincy. Again, the show notes for this episode plus a full transcript can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode into the future, 
Simply click the search icon in the upper navigation of the page and type in the name Quincy Larson. This episode should appear as the first result. If you enjoyed this interview, head over to my website, Learn to Code With Me, where you can find even more awesome code-related content, like my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Again, the URL to download that is learntocodewith.me. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.